your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Everyone back from their holiday, three-day holiday weekend. Unless you're in the news, then you don't actually get a three-day holiday. 608-785-7914. I'm excited. We have uh, Anthony Tregowski, UW Lacrosse political science professor. He's going to join me in a couple of minutes, eight minutes. And we're going to talk about some very important issues. Very important. Kanye West running for president. NASCAR fighting with Trump or Trump fighting with NASCAR, right? It'd be weird if NASCAR fought with Trump. Uh, and that's weird in itself, right? Trump, Trump, Donald Trump going after Bubba Wallace and NASCAR and demanding apologies on Twitter. I think what we need to do as a society is stop demanding apologies from people. I think if we could do that, or we should always demand apologies for everything by everybody. It is the easiest thing to do in when when a story kind of gets out there is just, just to just apologize for the thing that you did. You did the thing, people are outraged, you put out a release, you apologize for it, and people are like, all right, you apologize. She apologized. They apologized. It apologized. Uh, so those are those are a couple of things we could talk about with Anthony Tragowski. Also, uh, you know, after we let if we let Anthony go, sometimes the conversations flow, and so I just bring him back. But if if not, if not, and I should say that the whole NASCAR Bubba Wallace Donald Trump thing is over a a noose that they found in a garage, and then NASCAR. Right away, was said that hey, we found a noose. It was in Bubba Wallace's garage. We're looking into it. And then later, I think with the FBI involved, they determined that it was a garage door noose, and it was no big deal. Or maybe it was, but they they they, they found that it was the only noose in all their garages. I thought it was weird. The only thing I think is weird about this whole NASCAR noose gate is that the. The, we're NASCAR, right? We're the top of the top of the racing world, the upper echelon, billion-dollar industry. Why are we using ropes to open and close garage doors? Like we don't have garage door openers for all the racers. Like Bubba Wallace got to go get in his car. He's got to like manually open his garage door and manually manually close it. Like what? What? We don't have garage door. I, I guess he probably doesn't have a garage door opener. Although I think you can get it on your app, right? Like if he has the same garage. So a little fishy there, NASCAR, with your using ropes to open and close garage doors. I feel like you should have a button on the outside with one of those codes. Bubba Wallace just knows the code, right? One, two, three, four, five. Boop, it opens. Right now everyone knows my garage door code. That is a Spaceballs reference for anyone who watches Spaceballs. Uh, 608-785-7914. Okay, so later in the show, if we let Anthony go, Dr. Chagowski go, uh, we could also want to talk about the the idea that the lacrosse school board brought up oh, probably three weeks ago, middle of June, the, the lacrosse school board president, uh, Lori Cooper Stoll, brought up the idea of ending the relationship with the school resource officer program through the city police department. Uh, I think they have five police officers and a dare officer at the schools. And then the dare officer kind of bounces around 
and yeah, brought up the idea of, hey, maybe we this this relationship isn't actually helping all the students because it needs to, right? It needs to help. If it doesn't need to help all the students, it can't be a thing that hurts any student, right? Like if if students are somehow negatively impacted by having a school resource officer program, do they need to end that then? Because that's not a thing or does, or is there another way around that? So it also is $250,000. That's what the contract was for. If kind of, kind of ask police like, Hey, can we look into this contract and can you just kind of break it down for me? I'm hoping they get back to me tomorrow. And, and we're going to talk about lacrosse force watch too, if they get back to me. Um, but yeah, just the the idea that that's set in stone, like maybe the contract would be reworked. Maybe you change the resource officer program a little bit. Maybe you just have a dare officer. I, I feel like we could go a, a hundred different ways with, with this $250,000 is a lot of money. And we're, we're all at a point now we're trying to, to save pinching pennies everywhere, right? The we're, we're cutting budgets. And so this would be a place that, that the school would, would cut its budget for. And they could use that $250,000 to whatever, whatever they want to buy pencils, right? Are the kids using pencils anymore? Students using pencils? Uh, so, yeah, we can get into that. They're just, and, and that's, it's pretty simple at this point. They're just going to form a committee. I think they'll just vote on a committee and it's going to be four people. And they're going to, for the next three weeks, look into what, what the school resource officer program should do. The only weird thing is the committee is four four people on the I believe four people on the lacrosse school board, so we're not bringing any outside forces, outside entities. But these school board members are going to bring in their people to talk about school resource officers. Will they? Will are are any of the school board members pro or con school resource officers? Do they have an agenda going into this? Or are two of the board members, you know, kind of leaning, nah, we should end this program with the city police and are two of the other board members leaning the other way? So it's, it's like evened out or, you know, how, how does that work when, when you're go- gathering information that would, you would tend to gather if I'm, if I'm kind of leaning against having the school resource officers in the schools, I, I, I would guess I find information that would lead to that reinforcing my argument as opposed to the other way around. So we can get into that stuff as well. If you want to text me, call me, 608-785-7914. I'm going to break for news. Brad's doing the news, I believe. And we'll be back. I'm going to call Anthony Tregowski. He'll be a lacrosse political science professor. And we're just going to talk. It's going to be fun. We're going to talk about uh, stupid stuff like Kanye West running for president and Trump feuding on Twitter. Like, right? What? I can't believe it. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. If you want to get in on this conversation, I think we can handle it. Dr. Anthony Chagalski, UW Lacrosse, political science professor, is on. That's why I put Buster Rhymes on for you, Anthony. <laughs> hey, Rick, you know, I know that 2020 has thrown us some curveballs, but going on with you to talk about Kanye and Bubba Wallace was not on my bingo card for this year. Yeah, I was I was talking to Grant. So me and Grant kind of we kind of talk about what we're going to talk about. Uh, Grant Grant Bills on WKTY doing a show. He's yelling over there, by the way. I can hear him from from my studio. And I was like, you know, I should call I should call Chagoski and see what he thinks about this, because there are some <laughs> there. There is some there's like I always like to bring this up right away as a political science professor. As a political scientist, there's a there's a, a an angle to your 
your artwork to to what you do and and you described it so well the last time I asked you this but can you kind of again divulge like what a political scientist is looking into when it comes to this kind of stuff yeah we want to understand why the outcomes of political processes are the way they are we want to stand understand how government works and why it works a certain way we just want to understand the political process the different players involved and the different institutions involved and then why kanye west would work in it's it's, it's hard to get kanye west worked into that right it is, Rick, and, you know, I'm going to do my best. How about that? Yeah, but there's um, there's so- there's some techni- technicalities, so I'll just say this. Kanye West, in his Twitter thing, says Y-E, so I think it's yay, but I would see that as ye, but Grant told me it's yay. Uh, he, he, he posts on Twitter, We must now realize the promise of America by trusting God, unifying our vision, and building our future. I am running for president of the United States flag. He put a flag exclamation point pound sign 2020 vision. And then his wife, Kim Kardashian, who was made famous by a sex video many years ago, uh, retweeted it with just an American flag. You'd think she'd have something more to say, but just an American flag. Uh, She's got millions and millions of followers on Twitter too. So uh, that's where we're at. Can somebody jump into the race at this point? It seems a little late. No, you know, Rick, that is exactly the problem. You know, in the United States, it is extremely difficult for third party candidates and independent candidates to get on the ballot. There are typically strict and difficult to reach requirements in terms of it just like how many signatures you might have to gather by a certain date. And I was looking at this, actually, because, you know, why not? I mean, hey, a lot of people thought Trump running was a publicity stunt. So I wanted to, you know, see what the situation would be with Kanye if he runs. And the fact is that a lot of deadlines have already passed for getting on the ballot. And so, you know, for him to get on the ballot, it wouldn't really be possible in many states. And frankly, Rick, this is not an election where third-party candidates are going to play a major role, Kanye or no Kanye. And it's it's been pretty well known that Kanye and Kim Kardashian have been in the Oval Office, have met with Trump for various issues. I don't really remember exactly what Kanye was in there for, maybe just some photo ops and to wear the red hat. Uh, but, you know, some theories are out there as Kanye's just up, out there to, to muck it up, muck up the election. I'm saying muck with an M, uh, muck up the election. And, and and he's a black guy. Right. So Joe Biden is apparently going to have most of the black votes. So if we threw Kanye out there, he would take some of the black votes. Maybe Kanye and Trump are in cahoots and we don't care that he's not on the not on the ballot in what, like six states or something like that. But he just needs to be on the ballot in certain states to take some of the black votes away from uh, Joe Biden. Is that ridiculous? Yeah, that's that's sort of like the classic idea of a third party as a spoiler candidate, where the third party candidate, the independent candidate, doesn't have a serious shot to win the election, but they end up kind of screwing over one of the parties by taking away votes from that party. Lots of Democrats are still bitter at Ralph Nader, for example, in 2000, because they think that he took votes away from Al Gore, particularly in Florida, where the election was was super close. So that's really the main impact that third-party candidates and independent candidates can have in American politics. They almost never win elections, and they have a difficult time even getting on the ballot. 
But when they do get on the ballot, what the two major parties are always worried about is will the third party draw away votes from them enough to maybe make a difference in the outcome? Why can't we have, you know, I, I have a couple of friends and libertarian guy that we, that texts in all the time on this show, uh, you know, arguing that why don't we have Joe Jorgensen's running as the Libertarian Party candidate? And she's actually she was on the show maybe a month ago. And a lot of people are sharing, you know, some stories. Hey, she needs to be on the debate stage and she's on the ballot. So is there why why aren't these third party candidates? I'm just this is out of left field here, but why can't they be on the debate stage? Well, because the two major parties set the rules for the debates, the two major party candidates have to agree to the rules, and they don't want to be sharing this stage with candidates who could potentially take votes away from them. So what you see, Rick, a lot is that the two major parties actually kind of work together to come up with rules and to come up with laws that can put third party candidates at a disadvantage. So, hey, I guess that's one example of how the two major parties can actually work together when they're trying to screw over the third parties and the independent candidate. Have you dived into this electoral uh, lawsuit at the Supreme Court yet today? Yeah, it's this matter of uh, electoral votes. It's that's it, it's a it, it's a difficult uh, topic to explain uh, the electoral college. But basically, the question is, you know, let's say that. Uh, well, I'll give you the let's, example no, from the case. Let's so say let's Washington, say Chagoski. Tr- let's say Kanye wins. Can we do this? Can we do it like this? Kanye wins. <laughs> Some kind there of elect- like right, he wins some kind of electoral or no popular vote, right? Or or, or he would get the electoral votes needed to win the presidency over Biden and Trump, right? Like, can we do it like Let's- that? Can you break it down now? Let- Let's break it down. Let's say that Kanye wins Wisconsin in the popular vote, and Wisconsin has uh, Wisconsin has uh, t- ten electoral votes, so. Um, the question would, I mean, the assumption would be that our 10 votes would just go to Kanye because in this example, Kanye won the popular vote in Wisconsin. So logically, he gets the 10 electoral votes. But there are some people called faithless electors. They're the people who actually cast these electoral votes. And a faithless elector is someone who casts a vote for a candidate other than the one who was victorious in their state. So in the Supreme Court case, it was about three electors in Washington state, a state won by Hillary Clinton, but three of them voted for Colin Powell. And the question was, well, can they be fined for that? Can they be penalized for that? Can they be told by law? No, no, no. You have to vote for the person who won your state. You can't just do whatever you want when you're casting your electoral votes. You have to follow the will of the people. You have to vote for the popular vote winner in your state. And the Supreme Court said yes. That is something that states can require to try to limit these faithless electors who really defy the will of the people. So it's not going to be something set in stone like all electors must follow the popular vote, but it's they're going to try to limit it. Yeah, they definitely want to try to limit it. I mean, just imagine, Rick, like if a presidential election 
turned on some faithless electors. Like if if some faithless electors like decided a close election by voting for a candidate other than the one who was victorious in their state, that would be a catastrophe. How and how, so the hope is to limit that. How closely related is this to the Democratic Party having super delegates and somebody like Ron Kine voting for Hillary Clinton when Ron Kine's district overwhelmingly voted for Bernie Sanders? Kind of the same. You right? know yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, a lot of Democrats had problems with superdelegates because they felt that, you know, in 2016, the superdelegates really preferred Hillary Clinton over Bernie Sanders. Uh, what's interesting, Rick, about this time around, it didn't end up making a difference in the outcome. Right. But the Bernie Sanders people really have reduced the power of superdelegates uh, from 2016 going forward. And so, yeah, I mean, the superdelegates really don't play much of a role in Democratic politics anymore. It really is just the voters and the, in the Democratic primaries that make the decision. But, you know, it was so lopsided in favor of Joe Biden that that ended up being a non-issue this or year. For Yeah, for this year, uh, for Hillary Clinton, I think if, if the uh, if we did this, you know, we I think we really got to figure out how we're voting for uh, candidates for president. But uh, my my idea of what back in 2016 is if the Republican Party had superdelegates, Donald Trump wouldn't even been nominated because they had superdelegates would have just voted for, you know, whatever the dude in Texas. I can't even think of his name right now. No, no, no question about that, Rick. You know, the superdelegates in the Republican Party, uh, the superdelegates are kind of the party elites, the party insiders, the elected officials currently within the party. So they are kind of like the establishment types. They would not have been supporters of Donald Trump, by and large. They would have gone for Marco Rubio or Ted Cruz. And so I think this is a great example of how the rules really make a big difference, you know, that if the Republicans did have superdelegates in 2016, we might not even be in a situation where Donald Trump even got the nomination, much less was elected president. So it's a big deal, you know, what kind of a process the political parties set up for their nomination contest. Yeah, and and Donald Trump uh, would have been uh, just, I don't know, like maybe he wouldn't be so popular on Twitter then. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But this is this is interesting. I, I want to get into this uh, the the Bubba Wallace thing too. In in terms of like, what are you doing? Like, why are you, do you have time to come back after after the news here, or do you got to go? Let's do it, Rick. I'll come on back. Okay, I do have a caller. I have a minute. I, I think Kent is calling in. I want to get Kent's call sure. quick before we go to the news. I just wanted to make sure we could get that. Otherwise, I was going to throw. Uh, Bubba Wallace at you and, and give you one minute to talk about all the race relations. But here, here's here's Kent. Uh, Kent, you're on with Dr. Anthony Trigowski. You got a question for him? Yeah, thanks, Rick. Hey, uh, Professor, appreciate listening to my call. Um, I appreciate your work on the campus, and I, I worked on the UWL campus for about a year, um, not in a, a teaching field, but in maintenance. And uh, I noticed back in, like, 2012, a lot of the students were being taught you know, they're only being taught one way, you know, seeing what they do on the campus. And I just wanted to get your take on that. You know, it's it's more like a lot of the professors are teaching more like CNN uh, correspondence on the campus. It, this is what we think and kind of brainwashing the students. And I don't think it should be that way. And um, I know you don't do that personally, but there's a lot of that going on. So I'll I'll take my answer off the line. And thanks for the call. 
All right. Doctor, uh, how much brainwashing you guys doing over there? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> hey, hey, you know, Rick, like, I'm lucky if I can get them to do the readings, much less brainwash them. <laughs> um, but as far as like, as far as me, like I always come in on the first day of class and say, I want my political views to be a complete mystery to you throughout the entire semester. And I want you to end the semester saying, I have no freaking idea what side Anthony supports. So that's my goal. Yeah. Uh, I can't speak for, I can't speak for my colleagues, but, uh, you know, we want informed citizens and hey, I don't care which side they're on. I just want them to think for themselves and to be engaged citizens. I wonder how tough it is for the math teachers to brainwash people. <laughs> All right, Joe's calling in. Let's go to Joe. Joe, you, you, you got to be quick, but go ahead. You got a question for Dr. Chikowski? Hey, I just wanted to uh, to play along with your guys' theory because you guys were giggling like little school children when you thought about the idea of Donald Trump would never been able to be on the ticket, you know. And I just want you to imagine a lot stronger Iran with much more terrorism going on around the world. Okay, so it's no fun, Joe. Like we're we're trying to have fun, and you come back with terrorism and Iran. It's just not any fun. Hey, I, I I enjoy giggling like a school child with you, Rick. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like I want to have fun here. I don't want to talk about terrorism, in Iran, and no, and the idea that Donald Trump has made it settled the world down from all of it. Um, all right, I got a no, I got a break for news. You, what's up? You sure. got. Yeah, the point was not that it's good or bad that Donald Trump became president. The point is just that without with superdelegates, he probably would have not even got the nomination. Yeah, it's just a theory. I, I didn't say one way or the other. It's just uh, just throwing it out there. All right, we got a break for news. We'll be back after this. I'm with him. I should have played a Kanye West song. I didn't even think of that. I hate Kanye West. <laughs> I, even, I just don't like Kanye West music. Uh, Dr. Anthony Chagowski joining us on Lacrosse Talk PM. Welcome back, everybody. 608-785-7914. Yeah, that's what we were talking about, right? We were talking, yeah, the, the, I can't, I'm getting my Bubba Wallace and Kanye West news mixed up. Uh, we were kind of talking about the, the idea of Kanye West being on the ballot, running for president. It's a little too late to do that seriously. But Elon Musk has given him his full support. He tweeted that, so... Do these guys just have, do they have enough money to like change the rules? Cause I feel like, uh, Bloomberg just, you know, he had so much money that Democratic Party just decided, ah, we'll let you, we'll let you on the debate stage for this one. Yeah. I mean, Bloomberg basically bought his way onto the debate stage, but hey, you know, money does have limits. It didn't buy him any votes. It didn't buy him many delegates. So, and he got, him plenty of advertisement. I mean, like every time you turned around, there was a Bloomberg ad. It's just like the Bloomberg ads were like haunting me for a period. Like I couldn't get away from them. I had an, but, uh, I had an old podcast save that I, I just meant to listen to. And then I was on vacation a, uh, a week ago or two weeks. I can't remember how many weeks ago. And so I kind of got through all these podcasts, but one was so old. It had a Bloomberg commercial in it. And I'm like, whoa, Bloomberg. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm listening to it to an old podcast it just like it it shook me for a second yeah well i mean it feels like about 10 years ago that bloomberg ran for president at this point but it was really only like six months ago yeah everything feels that's kind of how everything feels all right so dr anthony <laughs> chagoski uw lacrosse political science professor is on with us um do you do you have any is there any political science behind a the the idea if you if you if there's not we can move on but the idea of uh schools Ending their relationship with uh, police departments is—I mean, we not that I, not 
Yeah, Rick, not that I'm aware of. Uh, that's not really my field, but I do think that, you know, what I can say is that the recent activism has at least put that on the agenda. I think for a while it wasn't even something that people were discussing. Uh, you know, it was sort of taken for granted that these officers would be in schools. But, you know, now because of the activism that's taken place, you know, people are kind of raising questions about that. And so we would say that it has come onto the agenda, meaning that people weren't paying attention to this issue, but now they are paying attention to this issue. Yeah, and that's what's on the uh, lacrosse school board agenda tonight, just making a committee to look into the idea of having school resource officers. Um All right, so moving on smoothly to Donald Trump feuding with, and it was was a couple weeks ago, Donald Trump was doing the gentlemen start your engines at the Daytona 500, I think, and now he's he's calling out NASCAR and calling out Bubba Wallace for, for, he wants him to apologize. I think here's, here's the tweet. Has Bubba Wallace, and one of 20 tweets today, by the way, has Bubba Wallace apologized to all those great NASCAR drivers and officials? Oh, he's buttering up NASCAR drivers there, except Bubba Wallace, who who is the only black driver, uh, who came to his aid, stood by his side, and were willing to sacrifice everything for him, only to find out the whole thing was just a hoax. That, That and flag decisions have caused the lowest ratings, all caps, ever, exclamation point. Um, is Trump, did Trump like TiVo ESPN Sports Center from three, two weeks ago, and he just got, he, like me re- listening to old podcasts, did he get like an old Sports Center where the Wallace flag thing came up in the news? Because this is two weeks old. <laughs> Apparently has a pretty awesome TiVo, but, you know, NASCAR has been in the news, Rick, for those two reasons. As you were talking about earlier in the show, the, the sort of new subject that was found in Bubba Wallace's garage and the investigation and the question, like you said, like, what the heck is this doing in someone's garage? You know, was it put there intentionally? Was it not? Plus the ban that NASCAR has placed on the Confederate flag banning the Confederate flag from being displayed by fans, from being bought into their venues. So, I mean, NASCAR has been at the center of some controversy, and I think Donald Trump is, you know, trying to sort of appeal to his base, or at least, you know, this is what he thinks will appeal to his base, you know, standing up for kind of like the Confederate flag and people being able to bring that into NASCAR races. And, and you know, the, the, his apparent theory that Bubba Wallace was a hoax or something. Yeah, Bubba Wallace really kind of had nothing to do with this. I think at one point after he saw what was a noose said, yeah, that's a noose. I, I don't even, I'm not even completely sure about that. But Bubba Wallace did tweet out today, he didn't at Donald Trump, but he did tweet after Donald Trump's tweet. Uh, he he put to the next generation and little ones following my footsteps. And then he wrote a whole paragraph. Uh, Your words and actions will always be held to a higher standard than others. You have to be prepared for that. You don't learn these things in school. You learn them from trials and tribulations, the ups and downs this crazy world provides. You will always have people testing you, seeing if they can knock you off your pedestal. I encourage you to keep up your head, keep your head held high and walk proudly on the path you've chosen. Never let anybody tell you you can't do something. God put us all here for a reason. Find that reason and be proud of it and your work tails off every day towards it. All of that all the haters are doing all the haters are doing is elevating your voice and platform to greater heights. Last thing, always deal with the hate being thrown at you with love. Love over hate every day. Love should come naturally as people are taught to hate, even when it's hate from the POTUS. Love wins, Bubba Wallace. Uh, 
Only a couple of exclamation points and only a couple of all caps, but he did go all caps on some of that. So um, just just for people that aren't looking at the tweet, uh, a little bit more of a thoughtful response from Bubba Wallace. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Rick, uh, I, I think that it is curious that Donald Trump is engaging in this feud with NASCAR and its drivers. I mean, you think about like who is sort of a NASCAR fan. Well, they're disproportionately Southern. They're disproportionately conservative. And so NASCAR fans are in many ways uh, reflective of Donald Trump's base voters. So uh, getting into kind of this public feud with NASCAR is uh, definitely an interesting development, given just the profile of who fans are and how that profile really reflects the profile of who kind of many Trump voters are. I think if you look at the tweet, though, it it does kind of sound like he's buttering up the other people in NASCAR, just not the black driver. Yeah. To all those great NASCAR drivers and officials who came to his aid. So that's kind of how the tweet starts. Um, is this kind of a, a continuation of what he did on the well the third of July over at Mount Rushmore in terms of you know really I don't even think he mentioned the virus and and how it's been affecting you know the world the 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 the, the country more so than the rest of the world the, the our country is is affected more so than the rest of the world by this virus and he all he really focused on was stuff like Confederates well just statues in general protecting stuff like that, protecting these physical things that, you know, like we've never, we didn't even think about statues and flags a couple of years ago. And now all of a sudden we got to protect them all. Rick, one thing that you see in the reporting on Donald Trump is that he is extremely concerned about maintaining the support of his core base. You know, the 25, 30, 35% of Americans who are just ride or die with Donald Trump. And I think what you've seen over the last couple of days is Donald Trump really leaning into that strategy of just making sure that his base is solidly with him. So he's talking about things that, you know, maybe aren't, don't have the support of 70, 75% of Americans, but are core issues of his base, kind of like the statues and, and the issue of like heritage and cancel culture and all that stuff. So I think what you're seeing, Rick, is Donald Trump really using a base first strategy where he's really focusing on firing up his core base. The question, of course, then, is whether or not, is whether or not that's just enough to win an election. Like, is his base enough or does he have to do things? Can he do things that can expand his appeal beyond his base? Yeah, as a political science professor, are you a little confused as to why he would, you know, just go down, it seems like, one path where, you know, as opposed to going down a path that, that encompasses more people, you know, something uh, that that's going to, you know, more people could agree with? Yeah, Rick. I mean, I think his play here is for enthusiasm, you know, to have supporters who are incredibly enthusiastic and to kind of bank on the idea that Biden supporters aren't so enthusiastic. So, you know, maybe they say they're going to vote for Biden in the polls right now, but they may not really show up. So I think the Trump play right now is just to go all in on firing up his base 
But again, you know, as far as winning a national election, I'm not sure that the math really works for that. You know, I don't think Trump's base in and of itself is enough for him to win enough electoral votes to win the election. So and you see that reflected in the fact that President Trump is down in the polls. And, you know, you know, people can say, well, the polls are are fake. The polls are made up. But, you know, the facts are the facts. And that you know, almost every poll has Donald Trump trailing. He is behind right now. That's just the reality. And how can he catch up? Well, I think that there's a lot of questions in the Republican Party right now about what kind of an approach can get Trump back into this thing with Biden. I see one of his 20 tweets today was, uh, you know, also this cancel culture, the idea that the Washington professional football team and the Cleveland professional baseball team want to change their mascots because they're, you know, not abiding by our beliefs or, you know, how we feel about stuff like that in today's world. So another yeah, another right. path, another very narrow path he's taking, uh, one of his, you know, and then he's got tweets like, uh, you know, I don't often, I never look at Trump's Twitter, but then I do and I just, I kind of wide-eyed it. Like, why does the lamestream fake news media refuse to, and then corrupt Joe Biden and the Democrats, and he's just like, every tweet is like that. So this is why I don't look at his Twitter. By the way, Rick, when you mentioned his new nickname for Joe Biden, his new nickname for Joe Biden is Corrupt Joe Biden. Oh, okay. Now, for for many months, his nickname for Joe Biden was Sleepy Joe Biden. But the problem with that is that, you know, Republicans were doing research and people who work on campaigns were doing research. And they were seeing, you know, this whole idea that Biden has lost a step, that Biden just isn't there mentally. The question is, does that move voters? And what they were finding is that the Sleepy Joe, he's, you know, in decline cognitively, he's lost a step. What they were finding, the Republican campaigners, they're finding that that wasn't moving the needle, that, you know, voters weren't really responding to that line of attack in the way that they had hoped. And so there's been a lot of stories and a lot of news coverage recently of the Trump campaign kind of searching for a new line of attack and a new way that can, you know, land some blows on Joe Biden. So, hey, we'll see if corrupt Joe Biden works. But that is the new nickname now that apparently they've moved on from Sleepy Joe. Yeah, it's, it doesn't have that locker up ring to it yet. So he's going to, I think he's going to have to move on from corrupt Joe Biden unless, uh, unless we get something that can lock him up, then we'll do that. But then people just chant lock him up to Trump. So it'll be just a big circle. Uh, all right. Do- Dr. Chagowski, thanks a lot for joining me and, and just, you know, having a goofy, goofy Monday. Always a great time. Rick. All right. I appreciate it. Bye. That's Dr. Anthony Chagoski, UW Lacrosse political science professor. Just having some fun on a Monday. I just thought that uh, the, the whole Kanye West thing was just kind of a, a funny thing, and then I was very confused as why why a president would go down such a narrow path. I mean, we're pretty far out from the election, so it doesn't really matter. But why would you, you go down such a narrow path at this point? And also, like the Bubba Wallace flag thing. I know it, it was news, but like we've moved on, right? Like we've moved on from that. It was two weeks ago. The news doesn't last for more than two days, let alone two weeks. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to wrap up. We're going to kind of discuss the uh, lacrosse school board meeting, which does start in 11 minutes right here on Wizard. 
All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. If you want to get in here quick, 608-785-7914. Two callers, I'm going to get to you in a second, but Libertarian guy texted in. Uh, 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 so the Libertarian candidate, he says, is likely to be on the ballot in all 50 states. There's a Libertarian platform. There are numerous candidates running at all levels of government across the U.S. Why a single person, a celebrity, is garnering any attention to warrant discussion on wisdom? I will say this, when Kanye West announces he's going to run for president, 20... 9.6 million people follow Kanye West on Twitter. Joe Jorgensen, the libertarian presidential candidate, 74,400 or 74.4,000 people follow her. So 29.6 million versus 74,000. And uh, also Joe Jorgensen had a whole hour on Wisdom. She, we talked about her the entire hour. So I gave her a platform. I gave her the Wisdom platform for, an whole, for a whole hour. For two segments, I guess. Same I gave Tregowski, but we didn't talk about Kanye West the whole time. So there you go, Libertarian guy. That's my answer. Libertarian candidate got on this show and literally talked about her platform. Kanye West, I'll ask if he wants to come on next. Uh, Scott's calling in. Scott, go ahead. You're on the air. When Kanye comes to town, I'm coming down. Okay. But wear a mask. I will. I will. I'll be I'll social distance back. Yeah. But um, I just want to make a comment that I think about polls. I mean, I've never been polled, and I still think that you can't even count on these polls because look at what happened in 16. I mean, I well, this guy was supposed to lose 100,000 to one or something. I I don't know what happened there. Well, he did lose the popular vote by 3 million. So, that I mean, that's a lot of votes. Right. I think it, but we, all, we do kind of, I think, realize that the electoral is out there so that the inner cities and stuff don't get to run the country. You know? I, th- I think so- at I think at this point, uh, you know, I, I've been polled twice. People have called me twice. I gave answers one time. The second time I asked who the poll was for, I just wanted to know, hey, where, what, what's the poll for? And then they didn't answer me. They couldn't or wouldn't or didn't answer me. So I said, okay, well, then I'm not giving you any answers. Like, I want to know what the poll is for. Like, if how hard is that? Uh, Eric from Sparta is calling in. Eric, go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, I wish I could talk to his professor there a while ago, but uh, we had a couple of questions about what would happen if Biden won. And another question I'm going to ask the citizens of lacrosse is, is the uh, Hiawatha statute on there subject to the wrath of Christy Cabot? Right? Okay. I don't know. I don't know what that was. Uh, there was a there was an interesting post the other day on social media. There's like a an onion-type onion type Facebook page that just deals with lacrosse and uh it had some some joke about the Hiawatha statue at Riverside Park that uh that was a little bit like Whoa. I know when uh when those I think there's a protest tomorrow in Riverside Park by the way too at 7:30 but uh I know when the there was the protest that I went to I thought it was ironic that some of the pictures I was taking had Hiawatha's the Hiawatha statue in the background so Anyways, lacrosse school board meeting starts in, let's see, starts in six, six and a half minutes. I don't know why I was doing that math. I got, I got a hiccup there. Yeah, it starts, uh, lacrosse school board is going to vote tonight on whether or not to form a committee to look into school resource officers and the DARE officer, the whole program there through the lacrosse, city of lacrosse police department, their relationship that's been going on since 1993 and whether or not that should continue, the, the contract is up and in next June or this coming June, I guess now we could say, and it's a two hundred. It was a two hundred fifty thousand dollar contract. So I don't know if they re up the contract. Would it still be two hundred fifty thousand dollars? Could you 
can negotiate that. Um, what does the school resource officer program do for students? That's I feel like that's what you know. If they agree on this committee, that's what the committee is going to look into. But uh, you can go to wisdomnews.com, look for the little picture of the city of lacrosse uh, school picture, the picture of uh, lacrosse schools, and the picture of the police department. And there's a link there to uh, get the wisdom video, the wisdom video, the YouTube video of the lacrosse school board meeting.